Chapter Seven and Eight of Adrift in New York. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Adrift in New York by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter Seven. Florence leaves home. Florence passed a sleepless night. It had come upon her so suddenly, this expulsion from the home of her childhood, that she could not fully realize it. She could not feel that she was taking her last look at the familiar room, and well-remembered dining room. Where she had sat down for the last time for breakfast, she was alone at the breakfast table, for the usual hour was half past eight, and she had appointed Dodger to call for her at eight. Is it true, Miss Florence, that you're going away? Asked Jane, the warm-hearted table girl, as she waited upon Florence. Yes, Jane answered Florence sadly. It's a shame, so it is. I didn't think your uncle would be so hard-hearted. He is disappointed because I won't marry my cousin Curtis. I don't blame you for it, Miss. I never liked Mister Waring. He isn't half good enough for you. I say nothing about that, Jane. But I will not marry a man I do not love. Nor would I, Miss. Where are you going, if I may make so bold? I don't know, Jane," said Florence despondently. But you can't walk about the streets. A trusty friend is going to call for me at eight o'clock. When he comes, admit him. Is it a a young gentleman? You wouldn't call him such. He is a boy, a poor boy, but I think he is a true friend. He says he will find me a comfortable room somewhere where I can settle down and look for work. Are you going to work for a living, Miss Florence? Asked Jane, horrified. I must, Jane. It's a great shame. You, a lady born. No, Jane. I do not look upon it in that light. I shall be happier for having my mind and my hands occupied. What work will you do? I don't know yet. Dodger will advise me. Who, Miss? Dodger. Who is he? It's the boy I spoke of. Sure, he's got a queer name. Yes, but names don't count for much. It's the heart I think of, and this boy has a kind heart. Have you known him long? I saw him yesterday for the first time. Is it the young fellow who was here last night? Yes. He isn't fit company for the likes of you, Miss Florence. You forget, Jane, that I am no longer a rich young lady. I am poorer even than you. This Dodger is kind, and I feel that I can trust him. If you are so poor, Miss Florence," said Jane hesitatingly, "would you mind borrowing some money of me? I've got ten dollars upstairs in my trunk, and I don't need it at all. It's proud I'll be to lend it to you. Thank you, Jane," said Florence gratefully. "I thought I had but one friend. I find I have two. Then you'll take the money." I'll go right up and get it. No, Jane, not at present. I have twenty dollars in my purse, and it will last me till I can earn more. But Miss, twenty dollars will soon go," said Jane, disappointed. If I find that I need the sum you so kindly offer me, I will let you know. I promise that. Thank you, Miss. At this point, a bell rang from above. It's from Mister Curtis's room," said Jane. Go and see what he wants. Jane returned in a brief time with a note in her hand. Mr. Curtis asked me if you were still here," she explained. "And when I told him you were, he asked me to give you this." Florence took the note and, opening it, read these lines: "Florence, now that you have had time to think over your plan of leaving your old home, I hope you have come to see how foolish it is. Reflect that, if carried out, a life of poverty and squalid wretchedness amid homely and uncongenial surroundings awaits you, while as my wife." You will live a life of luxury and high social position. 
there are many young ladies who would be glad to accept the chance which you so recklessly reject. By accepting my hand, you will gratify our excellent uncle, and make me the happiest of mortals. You will acquit me of mercenary motives, since you are now penniless, and your disobedience leaves me sole heir to Uncle John. I love you, and it will be my chief object, if you will permit it, to make you happy. Curtis Waring Florence ran her eyes rapidly over this note, but her heart did not respond, and her resolution was not shaken. "'Tell Mr. Waring there is no answer, Jane, if he inquires,' she said. "'Was he trying to wheedle you into marrying him?' asked Jane. "'He wished me to change my decision.' "'I'm glad you've given him the bounce,' said Jane, whose expressions were not always refined. "'I wouldn't marry him myself.' Florence smiled. Jane was red-haired and her nose what what is euphemistically called retroussé. Even in her own circles she was not regarded as beautiful, and was hardly likely to lead a rich man to overlook her humble station, and sue for her hand. "'Then, Jane, you at least will not blame me for refusing my cousin's hand?' "'That I won't, miss. Do you know, Miss Florence?' And here Jane lowered her voice. "'I've a suspicion that Mr. Curtis is married already.' "'What do you mean, Jane?' asked Florence, startled. There was a poor young woman called here last month, and inquired for Mr. Curtis. She was very sorrowful-like, and poorly dressed. He came up when she was at the door, and he spoke harsh-like, and told her to walk away with him. What they said I couldn't hear, but I've a suspicion that she was married to him, secret-like, for I saw a wedding-ring upon her finger. But, Jane, it would be base and infamous for him to ask for my hand when he was already married." I can't help it, miss. That's just what he wouldn't mind doin'. Oh, he's a sly deceiver, Mr. Curtis. I'd like to see him foolin' around me. Jane nodded her head with emphasis, as if to intimate the kind of reception Curtis Waring would get if he attempted to trifle with her virgin affections. I hope what you suspect is not true, said Florence gravely. I do not like or respect Curtis, but I don't like to think he would be so base as that. If you ever see this young woman again, try to find out where she lives. I would like to make her acquaintance, and be a friend to her if she needs one. Sure, Miss Florence, you will be needin' a friend yourself. It is true, Jane. I forgot that I am no longer a young lady of fortune, but a penniless girl, obliged to work for a living. What would your uncle say if he knew that Mr. Curtis had a wife? We don't know that he has one, and till we do, it would not be honorable to intimate such a thing to Uncle John. Sure, he wouldn't be particular. It's all his fault that you're obliged to leave home and go into the streets. Why couldn't he take no for an answer, and marry somebody else, if he can find anybody to have him? I wish, indeed, that he had fixed his affections elsewhere, responded Florence with a sigh. Sure, he's twice as old as you, Miss Florence, anyway. I shouldn't mind that so much, if that was the only objection. It'll be a great deal better marrying a young man. I don't care to marry anyone, Jane. I don't think I shall ever marry. It's all very well to say that, Miss Florence. Lots of girls say so, but they change their minds. I don't mean to live out always myself. Is there any young man you are interested in, Jane? Maybe there is, and maybe there isn't, Miss Florence. If I ever do get married, I'll invite you to the wedding." And I'll promise to come if I can, but I hear the bell. I think my friend Dodger has come. Shall I ask him in, miss? No, tell him I will be ready to accompany him at once. She went out into the hall, and when the door was opened, the visitor proved to be Dodger. He had improved his appearance so far as his limited means would allow. 
His hands and face were thoroughly clean. He had bought a new collar and necktie. His shoes were polished, and despite his shabby suit, he looked quite respectable. Getting a full view of him, Florence saw that his face was frank and handsome, his eyes bright, and his teeth like pearls. "'Sure, he's a great deal better looking than Mr. Curtis,' whispered Jane. "'Here, Mr. Dodger, take Miss Florence's valise, and mind you take good care of her.' "'I will,' answered Dodger heartily. "'Come, Miss Florence, if you don't mind walking over to Fourth Avenue, we'll take the horse-cars.' So, under strange guidance, Florence Linden left her luxurious home, knowing not what awaited her. What haven of refuge she might find she knew not. She, like Dodger, was adrift in New York. CHAPTER Eight, A FRIENDLY COMPACT Florence, as she stepped on the sidewalk, turned, and fixed a last sad look on the house that had been her home for so many years. She had never anticipated such a sundering of home ties, and even now she found it difficult to realize that the moment had come when her life was to be rent in twain, and the sunlight of prosperity was to be darkened and obscured by a gloomy and uncertain future. She had hastily packed a few indispensable articles in a valise, which she carried in her hand. "'Let me take your bag, Miss Florence,' said Dodger, reaching out his hand. "'I don't want to trouble you, Dodger.' "'It ain't no trouble, Miss Florence. I'm stronger than you, and it looks better for me to carry it.' "'You are very kind, Dodger. What would I do without you?' "'There's plenty that would be glad of the chance of helping you,' said Dodger, with a glance of admiration at the fair face of his companion." "'I don't know where to find them,' said Florence, sadly. "'Even my uncle has turned against me.' "'He's an old chump,' ejaculated Dodger, in a tone of disgust. "'Hush! I cannot hear a word against him. He has always been kind and considerate till now. It is the evil influence of my cousin Curtis that has turned him against me. When he comes to himself, I'm sure he will regret his cruelty. He would take you back if you would marry your cousin.' "'Yes, but that I will never do.' exclaimed Florence, with energy. "'Bully for you,' said Dodger. "'Excuse me,' he said apologetically. "'I ain't used to talkin' to young ladies, and perhaps that ain't proper for me to say.' "'I don't mind, Dodger. Your heart is in the right place.' "'Thank you, Miss Florence. I'm glad you've got confidence in me. I'll try to deserve it.' "'Where are we going?' asked the young lady, whose only thought up to this moment had been to get away from the presence of Curtis and his persecutions." They had now reached Fourth Avenue, and a surface car was close at hand. "'We're going to get aboard that card,' said Dodger, signaling with his free hand. "'I'll tell you more when we're inside.' Florence entered the car, and Dodger, following, took a seat at her side. They presented a noticeable contrast, for Florence was dressed as beseemed her station, while Dodger, in spite of his manly, attractive face, was roughly attired and looked like a working boy." When the conductor came along, he drew out a dime, and tendered it in payment of the double fare. The money was in the conductor's hand before Florence was fully aware. "'You must not pay for me, Dodger,' she said. "'Why not?' asked the boy. "'Ain't we friends?' "'Yes, but you have no money to spare. Here, let me return the money.' And she offered him a dime from her own purse. "'You can pay next time, Miss Florence. It's all right. Now I'll tell you where we are going. A friend of mine—' Mrs. O'Keefe has a lodging house just off the Bowery. I saw her last night, and she says she's got a good room that she can give you for two dollars a week. I don't know how much you'd be willing to pay, but-I can pay that for a time at least. I have a little money, and I must find some work to do soon. Is this Mrs. O'Keefe a nice lady? 
"'She ain't a lady at all,' answered Dodger, bluntly. "'She keeps an apple-stand near the corner of Bowery and Grand Street. "'But she's a good, respectable woman, and she's good-hearted. "'She'll be kind to you, and try to make things pleasant. "'But if you ain't satisfied—' "'It will do for the present. "'Kindness is what I need, driven as I am from the home of my childhood. "'But you, Dodger, where do you live?' "'I'm going to take a small room in the same house, Miss Florence. "'I shall be glad to have you near me. "'I am proud to hear you say that. "'I'm a poor boy, and you're a rich lady, but— "'Not rich, Dodger. I am as poor as yourself. "'You're a regular lady, anyway. "'You ain't one of my kind, but I'm going to improve and raise myself. "'I was reading the other day of a rich man that was once a poor boy "'and sold papers like me. "'But there's one thing in the way. "'I ain't got no education.' "'You can read and write, can't you, Dodger?' "'Yes, I can read pretty well, but I can't write much.' "'I will teach you in the evenings, when we are both at leisure.' "'Will you?' asked the boy, with a glad smile. "'You're very kind. I'd like a teacher like you.' "'Then it's a bargain, Dodger,' and Florence's face for the first time lost its sad look, as she saw an opportunity of helping one who had befriended her. "'But you must promise to study faithfully.' "'That I will. If I don't, I'll give you leave to lick me.' "'I shan't forget that,' said Florence, amused. "'I will buy a ruler of good hard wood, and then you must look out. "'But tell me, where have you lived hitherto?' "'I don't like to tell you, Miss Florence. "'I've lived ever since I was a kid with a man named Tim Bolton. "'He keeps a saloon on the Bowery, near Houston Street. "'It's a tough place, I tell you. "'I've got a bed in one corner. "'It's tucked away in a closet in the day.' "'I suppose it is a drinking saloon?' "'Yes, that's what it is.' "'And kept open very late?' "'Pretty much all night. "'Is this Tim Bolton any relation of yours?' "'He says he's my father, but I don't believe it. "'Have you always lived with him?' "'Ever since I was a small kid. "'Have you always lived in New York?' "'No, I was out in Australia. "'Tim was out in the country part of the time, "'and part of the time he kept a saloon in Melbourne. "'There was thieves and burglars used to come into his place. "'I knew what they were, though they didn't think I did.' "'How terrible for a boy to be subjected to such influences. "'But I've made up my mind I won't live with Tim no longer. "'I can earn my own living selling papers or smashing baggage, "'and keep away from Tim. "'I'd have done it before if I'd had a friend like you to care for me. "'We will stand by each other, Dodger. "'Heaven knows I need a friend, "'and if I can be a friend to you and help you, I will. "'We'll get out here, Miss Florence. "'I told Mrs. O'Keefe I'd call at her stand, "'and she'll go over and show you your room.' They left the car at the corner of Grand Street, and Dodger led the way to an apple-stand, presided over by a lady of ample proportions, whose broad Celtic face seemed to indicate alike shrewd good sense and a kindly spirit. "'Mrs. O'Keefe,' said Dodger, "'this is the young lady I spoke to you about, Miss Florence Linden. "'It's welcome you are, my dear, and I'm very glad to make your acquaintance. You look like a rail lady, and I don't know how you'll like the room I've got for you.' "'I cannot afford to be particular, Mrs. O'Keefe. "'I have had a—a reverse of circumstances, "'and I must be content with an humble home. "'Then I'll go over and show it to you. "'Here, Kitty, come and mind the stand,' she called to a girl "'about thirteen across the street. "'And don't let anybody steal the apples. "'Look out for Jimmy Mahoney. "'He stole a couple of apples right under my nose this morning, "'the young Spalpeen. "'As they were crossing the street, a boy of fourteen ran up to Dodger. "'Dodger,' said he, "'You'd better go right over to Tim Bolton's. "'He's in an awful stew. "'Says he'll skin you alive "'if you don't come to the saloon right away.'" End of chapters 7 and 8